hello everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of Oxpod. Today we have Daniel, if you'd like to tell us a bit about yourself. Hello. Oh, I can see my waveform now. Yep. <laughs> this, is, this is an inside joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only fans. Uh, so I'm, I'm Daniel. Uh, I got two surnames because I'm Mexican. Um, I uh, studied in the same college as, as Rick. Um, I originally I, I did chemistry for my undergrad back in Mexico, uh, and uh, I decided uh, that I didn't like labs, that I hated them. So I went into um, I discovered computation on theoretical chemistry and, uh, you know, look at what I needed to do there. And it was, you know, more physics, more maths, computing. Uh, so I started learning some of that. Um, eventually, during my undergrad, I did an internship at Rice, did some theoretical biophysics stuff, uh, proteins, walking around. Um, and I did a thesis in theoretical chemical physics, uh, doing away with some approximation that's very common in theoretical chemistry called the born oppenheimer approximation um basically a model to uh, ignore that approximation and to couple electronic states to nuclear movement uh and uh, then i worked in fintech for almost a year hated it uh, <laughs> oh boy it was grim um and uh i decided to apply um to, to Oxford after having a very close run-in with being able to work in the US. Uh, that didn't happen because visa. Um, but yeah, came to Oxford to do a PhD in material science, uh, modeling defects in metals uh, for fusion energy uh, applications. Uh, and uh, I finished last year. Now I'm working uh, in the Department of Scientific Computing, uh, uh, STFC, uh, which is a um, it's a branch of, of the UK Research Institute. Um, they deal with scientific and technological matters. Um, so, Very yes. cool. That I and now that we've lost uh, every listener, yeah, and it's yeah. just you and me. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> So do you, um, with respect to the uh, U.S. visa, do you feel like that was a sort of um, a, a happy accident or sort of or the best thing that never happened to you in a way? Probably, yeah. Because um, like, thanks to that, it motivated me to apply here because it was to work uh, at Wolfram Research, uh, the, the guys who do Mathematica. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't work out because of the, the point system that is now uh, adopted by the, the United Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> the same same type of thing, exactly like copy-pasted, applied to the UK. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have enough points, so that was a ballot system. I don't really understand it. It didn't work. So I was like, well, if they want me, hmm. okay, I'll do it. I'll apply to, you know, <laughs> to this legendary oh, university and... <laughs> All of a sudden, here I was. Interesting. Immigrate to the United States or go to Oxford University. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I feel a bit of the same way because um, 
I was in Russia and I completed my first undergrad and it wasn't precisely what I wanted to do by a long shot. And so I already knew somewhere into my first year that I wanted to apply to a different uni. And so I graduated with good, with good grades. Um, and I applied to the UK through UCAS for a second bachelor's degree. And I applied to, I think, UCL King's College, St. Andrews for a bachelor's and a master's and then Oxford. And I was in Russia at the time and um, I was waiting. I did everything at the last minute. I thought this will be like my practice run. And if I don't succeed, then I'll just try again. Um, and then the results started coming in. St. Andrews said no. Uh, UCL said no. King's College said no. And Oxford was wow. the last one. And I thought, well, surely not. <laughs> You know, if those <laughs> if those prestigious universities won't have me, then what's the likelihood? So I was already thinking I'll stay in Russia and whatever. And then um, I got in and it's why. And then I moved to the UK. And once the Ukraine thing happened, I realized that had I not been accepted to Oxford and followed through with my plan to just stay in Moscow and do stand up or something, which would have been surreal. Um I would likely be in quite the pickle right now. So uh, in jail, or maybe taking a tumble of some stairs. hundred oh, percent. <laughs> no, but never Is that a is that uh, a bad thing? I mean, um, yeah. I would say too many jokes and just uh, end up end up suicided, like McAfee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, rest in peace. That man was wild. Didn't he have try to have intercourse with? Know. He successfully had intercourse with a whale at some point. He detailed it in one of his writings. How there was some Hawaiian <laughs> island where people would swim into these deadly currents, and then um, we've gone from material the... science to intercourse oh, with cephalopods. He, but, um, he also uh, got pooped on a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a few. Uh, it's interesting. How... Oh God! Can you what imagine? A, because usually with Norton and Kaspersky, they build this image of being, because um, it's the same McAfee, right? The guy who designed the antivirus. Oh, well, yes, Isn't yeah. McAfee, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The antivirus That's guy. What... Yeah. Which, I mean, yet... ironically, those pieces of software are essentially viruses now. Like, <laughs> they, they're, they're just, they're terrible. Like, I think computer security has gotten to a point where you can just use Windows Defender or, um, uh, I mean, if you go Linux, Linux crowd, yeah. then, I mean, you'd have to be a dummy because you do sudo hate dash x or whatever. I don't, I don't remember. We've then, entered the know. negative number of listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. No, I... I don't know. Linux and Apple exist on opposite ends of the spectrum with respect to how customizable and um, how detailed you can get. But at the same time, um, I, I was speaking with um, a mutual friend of ours, Isaac, and um, mm. who definitely needs to get onto this pod. Um, yes. And he was just saying that um, he doesn't go in for technology much. And thus, Apple is really appealing to him because, um, for instance, with smart home stuff, I'm putting words in his mouth, so I'm sure this is my strategy for getting yeah. him on. I'm going to misrepresent his views, and then he'll get on to that's um, um, <laughs> typical CNN strategy. That's a good strategy, yeah. But um, some fake news about him. Oh god, I'm looking at my peaked waveform. I need to be like three times as quiet. Jesus. Um. Anyway, 
Uh, so the point is that um, he said, you know, with, with a smartphone, for a smart home, for instance, getting the locks and the light bulbs and everything, if you have to set that up with an Arduino or Raspberry Pi, then that's a week or two weeks of uh, study if you've never done anything by, like that before. But if you just buy the Apple thing, then there it is. Here's, here's way, my counter argument. Go ahead. Why, yeah. why do you need a smart home? I mean, we have keys. We've had keys for thousands of years. <laughs> like, they work. And now we have the technology to make really good keys and like barrel locks that are essentially lock proof unless you get a, you know, a, the lock picking lawyer on your case or something like that. Right. Whereas a bloody like, oh, you, you lose internet connection. All of a sudden you can't go into your house or you can't leave your house. Like, it's cool. No, I it's hate cool. that. And Apple, they're like, they're the worst offenders of just being anti-consumer and just, ah, I mean, that's the whole I'm sure you've heard of the, the anti-consumer. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah. Cause people are idiots. <laughs> I think part of it is that it's Damn this it. idea of we'll do it for you. Don't worry about it. Just pay the price tag. And our promise is that it will work and you but don't have doesn't. to worry about it. You push the button and then it will just, but like, it, it will doesn't, just they break and then you can't repair it on your own because Apple are like, now we're capitalist and like, you're going to pay us mm. to repair your shit. Like, no, nah, bro. Mm. Like, same with tractors. Like, come on. John Deere had a big issue on, on their hands because farmers couldn't, fix their tractors and there was legislation passed to allow that because you know given given free reign that, that's what they do and thankfully i'm sure you've heard uh, of the um eu regulation regarding the standardization of like charging ports but like I've, yeah I've, you're gonna yeah. use there's a there's a bloody standard it's called the usb a universal serial bus <laughs> you know it's it's there for a reason right and apple with their you know, ridiculous. Oh no, we gotta be proprietary so that you know we have DRM on everything. Like, nah, shut up and like <laughs> do it. Do as as a reasonable person would do, and have a standardized uh, output so that everyone can bloody use your phones. And it's just, and you know that that's um, that's the EU yeah, yeah. did that, and I think they have until twenty twenty. Five maybe twenty twenty three. I don't know. It's fairly recent in terms of like corporate action, where mm. yeah, they're gonna have to bend over and like do do the right thing for for the consumer. That's why I just oh man, I hate, I, I hate but, that kind of thing. But I and yeah, I share your sentiment with respect to that. That um, Apple definitely like any large corporation, it was will exploit the rules of the game to the best. Not only Apple, uh, to the like, degree. Tesla does a similar thing. I mean, the Juicero, like what a debacle mm. that was. <laughs> like, the Juicero, just, what's this about? Did you haven't? Oh man, it's the no, no, no. uh, juicing thing, and and it had some bags, and you put the bag in, and the bag had DRM, so it had an, an RFID chip, and. Uh, it would identify the bag and then it would press the juice. Um, like, why? What was, and, and people ate that shit up, you know. And, and it's just ridiculous innovation with no purpose and just having Wait, zero. So this is a juicer that was installed. It was a into juicer, a Tesla? yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It was just a, it was like a tech juicer where, oh, okay. like, it was literally some a thing, it was a, a rectangle and it just pressed a bag. 
right? And it had DRM to press the bag, and the bags were expensive. The, the Juicero was expensive, and they they scammed off so many investors. I mean, like if you're an investor and you invest on something like that, then it serves you right to lose your money, because like, mm -hmm. <laughs> why? Well, it brings it became mind, a meme, uh... and like you could you could squeeze the bag, and you could get more juice out of the bag by just squeezing it. <laughs> that like, and it broke hmm. all the time. It's just all this. I feel like in the discourse that surrounds um, uh, sort of anti-consumer um, behavior is this underlying assumption that um, all people that use technology sh have the same sort of relationship to it um, as people who are Linux enthusiasts. And I think a lot of people are just apathetic. And even if they're aware of the fact that um, Apple is sort of siphoning a, an additional amount, uh, for many people, that's a non-concern, either because they're wealthy enough where it doesn't really matter and they can't be bothered, or they just don't care. And I feel like many people who are on the sort of uh, hands-on spectrum of technology use um, assume that um, all consumers could potentially become reach that level of interfacing with technology sort of elegantly, and many just don't have that desire. Do you think that um, it's kind of like pearls to the swine idea that many people just it doesn't? Well, legitimately, they 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 might be master carpenters or they ornithologists or some other thing, but to them, it's just I use it to call. And obviously, there's this sort of um, underlying assumption that, um, well, if these people did take the time to discover the capabilities of more consumer-friendly technology and they took control of their data and they were able to use um, hardware and software effectively, then their life would be sort of more productive. But um, do you think that's always the case or are there some people no, for whom it just wouldn't I, I make think, a positive difference? I, I, I don't think... So that, that like, an, an ultra-customizable thing, I mean... Look, I, I program, right? So that's my it's my job. Uh, there's um, things that are called IDE, so integrated development environments, and there are uh, some really bare-bones ones that have zero features, and they're all completely customizable. And sometimes, you, I mean, I don't use them, right? I, I use VS Code, which is, if there's anyone who programs, you know, VS Code is, is, is amazing. Um, I think the fundamental, my my the way of that I approach things is like, does the design serve the purpose? Right? It's it's first you have a purpose and then you make a design to enable that as as smoothly as possible. It doesn't matter if it's shiny or like new. In fact, a lot of things that just you innovate for the sake of innovating, it is ridiculous. I mean, the classic example of microwaves. Well how much do you need for a microwave? You need two knobs. Power and time. That's it. <laughs> meanwhile you see all these like programmable microwaves the screen breaks and your microwave's done and like why there's no zero mm. point to that uh, you, you could just make two knobs power time and then you say okay so if you want you, you can give out recommendations you can put it on the internet i mean we already do that we get uh bloody um qr codes on everything like i bought a I bought a weight belt because I, you know, you know that I lift. But if people who don't know, I partake in powerlifting and calisthenics, and I bought myself a, a belt to hang weights off of. 
the thing had a QR code on it. It's like, I've registered the... Wait, why? Why? Like, it's just a belt. I'm going to put it around my waist, take it to the gym with me, and that's it. That's all it needs to do. And it does that mm. fine. Why do I need to register it? What's it going to do? <laughs> Some people still like style. It's it's interesting. And I think that, in a way, the genius of Apple, I think it was uh, Linus from the tech tips, not from the operating system, that um, indicated or noted that um, Apple somehow managed to frame itself as uh, a luxury brand, even though they're... Oh, they are. I mean, a phone a is a producer. luxury. Like, I mean, yet, come on, really? A phone is they, a luxury. They, and yet, really, they're a tech company. They they sell gadgets in a way, and yet gadgets sort of sounds a little bit um, dorky, whereas iPhone is something shiny and beautiful. Fundamentally, they do the same thing as Alienware and Razer or as Nokia in uh, on a certain level of analysis. Yeah, yeah, they, they merged cool. Yeah, they've managed to sort of put a spin on it. And I think that that's often underappreciated by people who have a deep understanding of uh, technology because it's precisely that idea. There's a purpose, there's a function, there's a problem that needs to be solved. And but, I um, can get behind it, the design. I mean, it, it does, they look cool. And I've, I've, I mean, when I've used them, I find them clunky. Uh, I've, I've always found Apple... Uh, clunky because i mean i guess i i grew up with with uh windows um but like i like having a, a button that's you know go back or like a button take me home <laughs> but apple doesn't do that yep. it's it's like in the ui of the app like there's no like universal uh thing to do that it's just on every app there is one and, and mm-hmm. i don't know that to me but you know that's a design choice it's a design choice that I don't like, but it's arbitrary, right? What I mean is, like, when it's actively inhibiting uh, its purpose and that it's used. And, you know, it's not only Apple. Like, you see it in, in, indoors. Like, you know, those doors that um, they look super fancy, like glass doors with, like, a bar. And there's got a bar on both sides. And then you go, well, do I push or do I pull? <laughs> like... And, and and sometimes it's just it's just one way, but there's no indication of it. Like if it had a, a mm. plate on one side, okay, yep. then you push. If it's got a bar on one side, then you pull. You know, it's, it's these types yep. of things, and it drives me so so mad. Yep. <laughs> I'm very much uh, uh, function over form. Well, like the form should inform the function. Um, mm. And so changing tack a little bit, yeah, you yeah. grew up in Mexico. Mm-hmm. D- do you, did you think that when you, when you were a kid or a teenager, did you think you'd be studying at Oxford University? Was that sort of planned? <laughs> Bro, so uh, I, my mom was very diligent with teaching me how to read. So by the time I was three, I already could read. Um, and I was very curious. I was always... Um, asking questions so my dad uh to stop me from asking so many bloody questions he gave me an encyclopedia like a little uh, encyclopedia um and he was like well when you have a question look that up there first and then you know if the the answer Mm. is there you can come to me uh and uh, he taught me how to use it uh and that's kind of i you know that that's how i discovered uh 
the four, well, the three states of mind. So before I was four, I knew about plasma, right? And um, <laughs> that, that's so, iconic. Yeah, before, yeah, I, before I knew, exactly, yeah, plasma. I was looking at like uh, formulas, uh, volumes, or areas, like geometric shapes and stuff, and um, eventually just doing that, I I, I found. Uh, I found out about Isaac Newton, and I was like, "Well, where, where, where did they, where did he like go? Where did he study?" And I turned out Cambridge, and I was like, "Oh, I'd, I'd like to go there." And I was like four, um, but you know, uh, I, I I wasn't uh, we weren't poor by any means, but we weren't like super rich. Like, um, but we did have uh, a house, and it was it was okay. It was it, it was a, a good life, but there was. If I was going to end up somewhere like this, uh, I would have needed a scholarship. And I did get a scholarship. Uh, but yeah, since I was, I think I was like four or five when I found out. It, there was also um, Microsoft and Carter, uh, which uh, my dad pirated. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I would browse that for hours. Um, and that's how I found uh that's that's how I found about Isaac Newton, and then you know Cambridge, and I was like, ooh. And then you know, obviously, what was this? Did it, was it micro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, like a digital encyclopedia. Uh, it was like uh, a Wikipedia, but well, yeah, it was it's a digital encyclopedia, um, and it was similar to. It worked in a way that's similar to Wikipedia. So it had uh, hyperlinks, you know, internal hyperlinks. It wasn't on the internet. Um, it was amazing, uh, and I and I loved uh, reading that, and you know, still to this day, I'm, I mean, very clearly uh, a nerd um, <laughs> in the best sense I of like, the word. Yeah, I like I, I like that. It's just it's amazing. Um, so that's yeah, since I was four or five, I think. Um, and so I that didn't was your... think I would get here. I wanted to, um, but, but yeah, hey, I made it. So five-year-old me would be it. would be very, very pleased. And, you know, 30-year-old <laughs> me is also very pleased. Uh, I'm loving life. Um, no, that's amazing. And and did, when you went to sort of uh, middle school, high school, did you sort of, what were there points when you thought that it wasn't going to happen? Was there, how, to what degree did, that overarching goal of getting to Oxbridge um, or a similar institution guide uh, your choices in school? Uh, well, I was always, I mean, I always liked learning. Uh, sometimes it was a bit, bit boring because, you know, as I said, I was like reading before I started kindergarten, right? So um, at times I was a little bit ahead, uh, but I always liked, I always liked learning. Uh, and... So, again, we had the amazing good fortune that uh, my dad, well, things went kind of awry in Mexico. and My dad needed an escape. And so he looked for um, PhD opportunities and uh, he found one in the UK, in Bradford, um, famed, mm. famed city of curries and stabbings. Uh, <laughs> oh my god shout out to Bradford yeah I, love, oh man, I, I haven't visited uh, but it was so good 
Um, so when when I was twelve, uh, we moved to Bradford. Uh, so my dad could could do a PhD there. Um, and you know, while I was in in school there, I, I, I mean, in at least school back in Mexico was so much more uh, difficult. Like the workload was so much bigger than what it was here. So I was coasting, uh, and um, the teachers were like, "Well, if you if you can keep going like this, you know, you might be able to like get into one of these uh, legendary universities." And you know, it, for my school, it was a, a uh, uh, well, it's not a because in the UK, public schools are like those private ones. It wasn't one of those. It was like a a comprehensive. Uh, so, like people from there aren't supposed to go to places like here. So they were like, "Yeah, you 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 could you could do this," and uh, that was very cool to hear. Uh, and yeah, I got my GCSEs, and they were really, really, really good. Uh, but uh, we went back. Um, so it was a, uh, it was horrible, uh, going back and just seeing because we went back just in time for the drug war to to kick off, um, and it's like just seeing your city uh, implode. Uh, it was it was grim. So for a while, I, it was my mission to like come back, um, and it was always like in the back of my mind. Um, I don't. I don't even know if I even considered the possibility that it wouldn't happen. I was. I didn't oh, want to wow. consider it. Like I, you know, it, it was what really like kept me, uh, kept me going. Of like, I want to get out of this place, and I want to do something with my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Wherever. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if it hadn't happened here, it, it would have been something else. But I would I wouldn't have stayed. Um, and so, why is a, it that your if that your family decided to go back from Bradford oh, into Mexico? Know. My mom actually, and this is this is uh, in the time before. So currently, uh, you need to stay in the UK for ten years or work for five. Back then, uh, you could just stay for five, uh, and being a student counted for five. Um, and my mum was like, well, we can just stay for one more year, get a uh, permanent settlement and then um, become citizens. But my dad kind of freaked out because uh, he was on a scholarship uh, that asked you to go back. But I mean, one, they don't do anything. They, you know, they can't do anything. And two, they're really like, um, they don't do what they're meant to. Like they abandoned me, for example, during the pandemic. Uh, they they stopped they cancelled my card uh, so I was without funding uh, and the Department of Materials actually helped um, I was without funding for the last year and a bit of my PhD uh, and you know I remember he had a ton of trouble with them and I also had a ton of trouble um, so he he was like oh no you know we gotta go back and I gotta you know do this I work there for a bit and meet the terms uh even though they hadn't met theirs for him he he kind of freaked out and so we we went back and uh yeah i think it was a i think it was a mistake um mm. but you know it is what it is thankfully i i did make it back um 
and I, you know, I, I, nothing against Bradford, but like Oxford is is amazing. I thought Bradford was incredible, um, but yeah, I love Oxford. I, I, I love this place, even though it's expensive yeah, it's, and it's full of it's full of wankers. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, it is. I like it. I like it a lot. It's quiet. It's magical. Yeah, it's like living in a in a fantasy uh, novel, um, and I am I love. I mean, you can see my Kindle there in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love fantasy, man. Uh, so it's like if I could live in one of these places, is magical, then I'm doing okay. Yeah, also definitely is. I I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that the Harry Potter uh, movies were filmed at Oxford. Is and I was reading before that um, universities, I believe, in Europe in general, were modeled after monasteries. Mm. Etymologically, they're related to um, a place where, what is it? Um, people of all places come to one place. And um, to study intensively, one does need to sort of isolate themselves at the individual level of you have people have studies if they have a large enough house or desks or a place that's devoted to concentrating on the unknown and sort of ascertaining bit by bit how novel information relates to previously known information and building those links um and so oxford is a sort of architecturally and um socially is is incredible for that it's the perfect place to learn in many ways just because um administrative issues aside and college rooms aside in general it's like fortresses and monasteries where you can sort of focus intensely and not worry about um which is a great privilege but it's also um, a phenomenal mechanism it's a it's essential i don't think there's various reasons why um most um nations that have um universities will keep them outside of the capital or the most prominent universities. And um, part of it is to get the political dissonance out of the capital, but also to give you that space to think and to develop without being caught up in um, sort of routine life. It's a very, I mean, even all of those coming of age movies within the US, uh, going to college is this sort of transformative metamorphic period in one's life. I don't know. Is it? I mean, all periods of life are metamorphic in some way, but it's very uh, sort of vivid and picturesque. And it's also um, a common experience for many people, whereas the process of professional development is uh, slightly less relatable for film viewers, I suspect. Yeah. Or do you think it's all romanticized? I think it's romanticized. Yeah. 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 I think Mm. it's very romantic. I mean, we've had, you know, suicides in college right so it's like that's true you know it, it, i i i loved being here but it depending on you know the the societal and cultural pressures and even like mental illness i mean i know like from when i was an undergrad i was i was depressed but it wasn't because of the university it was because of all the shit that was happening around me um so it's like I don't know. You you just gotta. I think it's it's worthwhile looking at it from from the outside and going. You know, this is 
is so surreal and you got to try to um, appreciate and not take it too seriously. Now that, that's a, um, I think the whole pressure of like, oh, you're going to be somebody. And I've been guilty of, of that too, but having gone through the past three years and how they've uh, really just completely changed me, I'm like, well, is it worth it? And I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. It's uh, you're better off um, doing something that you truly enjoy, truly like, and um, living life for yourself rather than for some expectation uh, of society. But the thing is, like this, this was me. Like I, as I mentioned, I, I wanted uh, ever since I was four. I was like, yeah, this is like, and no one told me that's what. I had no idea, bro. Like, I didn't know that this was so, like, legendary. I mean, like, <laughs> you see the Taurus, and like, people treat you differently. It's, it's, and I, I don't, I'm not okay with it. Like, uh, here in the UK, you go to anywhere else, and, you know, it comes up, and it's, oh, you go to us, oh, wow. And then, like, people treat you differentially, and I'm like, I'm not I'm no different than anyone else. I just, I, I was a little dog as a kid. Was like, yeah, <laughs> this is what, like, this sounds so cool. Like, go in and learn uh, to do this this place of, of, of history and uh, magic and stuff. And, but I guess in some, uh, and also I, I had very supportive parents. Like, they, they did. Uh, especially my mom did, did push and like help and stuff, um, but uh, there was no. Uh, it was like you do what makes you happy, right? As long as you're not uh, hurting, and as long as you're not uh, contributing negativity to the world, you know, do do what you like. Uh, and uh, that's this is what I liked, and I had a, an amazing time. And I've told you so many times. I, I, I tell people that I had such a great time. Um, it's like, and meanwhile, there's other people who are being are miserable. You know, like, well, then maybe maybe this isn't what. Maybe it's not worth it. You know. Uh, and I wish, I wish there wasn't such a a, a massive. Um, pressure and, and the the awe that people look at you with is so strange uh, and I, I i don't like it um it just makes me feel like a like a, an outsider i'm like no i mean in a way i think uh one is an outsider to the degree that uh you're going through an experience that many um have only heard about or read about or seen and there's a natural curiosity the same way that people get about people who have um, served in the military or done scuba diving or anything else it's it's outside of the usual and in that yeah. respect i think it's warranted yeah, but yeah. when it comes down to but like when they uh, look people, at you with awe and i'm like oh come on like that literally people like before coming here also you know i I, I started lifting and so you know all of a sudden I went from being skinny 50 kilo 
guy to, you know, weighing 80 and like <laughs> being fairly muscular. Uh, and, and people do treat you very differently. I've seen it and it's just like, I'm the same person, you know, I'm, I'm goofy as hell. Uh, I make the same <laughs> jokes, uh, still the, 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 the same outlook on life. Uh, maybe a bit more mellowed out. Um, but there's a different way that people see you and treat you. Like they, they speak to me differently. And then I swear and they're like, Oh, whoa, what the? They're like, yeah, bro. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think part of it is that, um, um, people understand either implicitly or explicitly that, um, it's important to sacrifice your time and your energy in pursuit of something that's meaningful, but it's not immediately apparent um, either because in, within society, within school, within uh, the family, um, the kind of altar to a worthy altar to which you should sacrifice your time and energy and your youth isn't clearly, it isn't pointed out. And so people look to, um, uh, those who have achieved something substantial and they try to figure out, well, uh, is that the kind of sacrifice that's worthy? And for some, it's aspirational. They think, oh, well, they, you know, went through all of these difficult things and look where they got. And so therefore, because it's a scary thing, you, you, you can only do so many things within a lifetime. And sometimes it's more than people expect. And sometimes it's less, but it, it's painful. It's much easier in the short term to just commit yourself to nothing and never go through anything painful or tiring. And so people want a purpose. They want a reason uh, that can remind them of why they even embarked on this journey on the days that they're tired and sad, depressed and exhausted. And I think to that degree, it's beneficial that for, for people to admire others who might be down a path that they're thinking of going towards. The, the time when it becomes sort of disturbing or I would say counterproductive is when people implicitly with their behavior or, or the way that they treat you somehow want to indicate that you're of greater worth, which is absolutely not the case. If it's sort of this idea that, you know, we all have inalienable rights and dignities and with respect to being a worthy human, we're all the same, but with respect to achievement and sacrifice, I think that um, having completed a PhD at Oxford, if someone sees that and thinks either, Oh, I'd like to do that. Or, within the thing that I'm pursuing, if it's MMA or fishing or um, designing telescopes, I think it's useful for us to look at each other and say, hey, man, you put in a lot of work and you figured out a way to even enjoy it on most of the days. You know, some days it's just a, it's grueling and some days it's enjoyable. That is something we should celebrate, but it has to be in a healthy way. So yeah, it, I, think I, I think it's more like direction. where intrinsic is, is, is the debate between intrinsic and extrinsic extra extrinsic, extrinsic yeah. uh, motivation <laughs> where like yeah. you gotta like i'm very intrinsically motivated uh even you know i mean yeah coming to oxford was just one something i wanted to do uh in in lifting and i see it all the time like i'm not the strongest i'm not, by far I'm not the strongest i mean like i i i do both powerlifting and i do calisthenics and People go, well, if you focused on one, then yeah, you'd be a lot better. It's like, yeah, but I like going under rings and I like doing back levers, right? <laughs> I like doing dips on rings. I like doing my pull-ups and like, uh, you know, I like training the Iron Cross, even though it's going to screw with my bench, you know, it, it's, it, it, I, I, and then they ask me, oh, what well, would you compete? And I'm like, well, 
I go there every day and I compete against myself from like a month ago. Um, and it, I, it's, it's the carrot and the stick versus the carrot that's inside. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, sometimes, sometimes it's it difficult to cultivate that. It is, it is. Uh, but that's why you're going to analyze what you really want. Like, it's, there's nothing sadder than someone saying, well, I'm going to work, sacrifice my youth so that I can retire in a fishing village. Well, why don't you go to the fishing village now? What's mm. stopping you? Society? Well, you're going <laughs> to... You're going to be rich and then live in a fishing village and have no expenses or very few. Like that, 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 this idea of like worth, worth, you get one chance. And like, I was a lot more, um, I guess ambitious and motivated to, to, uh, succeed and stuff. But then, I mean, you you know, my dad died in 2019. I broke my hand and stuff. And, you know, all this shit happened. And, uh, you know, the only thing I wanted, and also during the pandemic when I was left alone, I was one of those infamous single-person households. Just, you know, six months after all this crap happened. Well, it was a year, but I was out for, like, mentally completely shut down for you know, six months. So I had only been getting back for six months and the pandemic started and I was left alone. The only thing that I wanted, the only thing, well, two, there were two things was I wanted to go lift and I wanted to see my friends. That's it. And that's all I wanted for seven months, you know? And that's, that, that put things into perspective. Like, do I really want to sell my soul? And like, you know, live in London, get a ridiculously high paying job that contributes nothing to society. Or do I want to live uh, uh, a more comfortable, maybe not as rich life, but a life that I, I, I can say, you know what, that was worth it for, for me, for society, something that I, I could be proud of. Um, and also, without sacrificing my like, so, so I don't feel like I'm sacrificing my time. So I can I can go lift, I can work, and it's chill. You know, there's not ridiculous pressure. It's like, oh, you know, there's this problem. We don't know how to solve it. Throw ideas at the wall, uh, and I I like that, and it's just so much nicer and. and yeah, it, it it kind of going through stuff like that puts things into perspective. And and to be honest, like I would trade it all for an afternoon with my dad, all of it. I wouldn't even think about it. So th- that's again, like, was it even worth it? Was it worth leaving? And I would say yes. Um, but things you don't realize how important certain things are. Even like mundane things, sitting next to someone without saying anything, bored out of your mind or high or whatever you want to be. It's just like sharing something dumb that you wouldn't think of twice. Those are the things that remain. Um, Instead of like chasing, you know, working a shit job that you hate, 
you know, for buying shiny shit you don't need with money you don't have. And that's a quote from a, a, an amazing YouTube channel called uh, Crime Pays It But and It Doesn't. Uh, and I was like, that, that quote speaks to me in such a deep way. Um, and, you know, I, I have the privilege of being able to say that. Um, which, again, is kind of a conflict. Just sometimes you do have to work. Um, and luckily now, I mean, I do work. But I don't have to break my back at it. Um, which is another, is a massive injustice. And I, and I would like to help fix that. So I'm, I'm seriously like considering, uh, if I stay in the UK and, and become a, uh, well, get at my, uh, permanent settlement and then become a citizen, considering like running as a, a radical left MP <laughs> and just stay the most outrageous I'm stuff. I'm like, giving a platform here. <laughs> yeah, bro, like just for the betterment of society and, it, and this circles back around to like the the shit times of innovation i mean look tesla okay electric cars yeah but we had trams a hundred years ago electric trams you know instead of like the personal responsibility of owning a car or whatever you could just rip up the roads add some well not rip them up but like get some uh, tram uh um I don't know, like tramways, tram lines, tram line, uh, yeah. And uh, you, you, one, you, you don't need as much maintenance, so road tax isn't going to be a, such a big thing. And I've, I've, I don't know, I've been getting more radicalized <laughs> in like leftist uh, mm. policies. Mm. Like, uh, it turns out, road tax doesn't pay enough for for keeping up roads, so society as a whole subsidizes that. Um, like we as a society are poorer because we rely on cars so much. We, if you, you could have good public transport and it, yeah, it would be more expensive in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to be way cheaper. You could, you could give people 7,000 uh, pound cargo bikes. You know, they're, they're worth 7,000 quid. E electric cargo bikes once a year and it would still be cheaper than them owning a car. Hmm. Interesting. I, There's so much that it, oh, that's well. I, I with, on the topic of privilege. Uh, sorry, you wanted to say something. Oh no, no, no. And uh, yeah, uh, this would level things out because uh, I mean, cars are expensive. Things, things like that, and also like the toll they take on your health. And not only cars, but having a, a just this endless mill. And the way that we design cities, like my dad, had, uh, he was an architect, uh, but in the end, he got interested in urbanism and like urban design. Uh, how do we make cities more amenable to people instead of machines? Um, and so having, having a city that's meant for people. Uh, but not only that, I mean, Oxford, we already have that because we live in like just a bubble that is, is so incredible. Uh, but why shouldn't everyone, right? We, we can, we can do that. You know, you don't need suburbs. You don't need the fucking cultural deserts that uh, mag mansions and stuff like that. And I see the UK going that way. I mean, the U S is already like that. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. 
same with it just builds a community and, and again going through the pandemic and being alone it, what what did i want i wanted to exercise and i wanted to have a community um and yeah these are things of privilege but do they have to be i don't think so um i think I we mean, can precisely that often we we say with privilege that um, or less frequently now, and I think that's a pe- positive development. Initially, I think privilege by many was touted as this idea that you should be ashamed for things that you enjoy that aren't necessarily deserved or earned. However, if one is bestowed a privilege of any kind, I think that the more effective or adaptive response is to think, okay, well, I have this thing, and uh, arguably it, it isn't something that I uh, worked 10 years to attain, um, what good can I then do? Uh, people who uh, are endowed with massive privilege of any kind, I think the correct response is rather than just be moaning it, which helps no one, because then you're miserable and other people are miserable, is to then say, okay, I'm going to rise to the challenge. I've been given this privilege, perhaps arbitrarily, and now I want to become deserving of it. You're not necessarily, if you're undeserving at some point, whether that's by an external assessment or more effectively an internal assessment, the best thing to do is to then change one's behavior and to think, well, how can I make use of all of these resources to then do something beneficial for the world? Yeah. Whether you're not, you're given a certain set of cards and you think, oh, these cards are fantastic. Well, then you can do something with that. You can get all your chips and give them to everyone else or use them in a creative way. And I think that's uh, all of guilt should only be, I think it's good to be guilty and Shame can be very positive to the degree that it um, forces someone to self-reflect. I don't think that it's effective for one person to shame another because, you know, it, yeah, before we get a, on to, well, there's a lot to look inside. Sometimes I think there's a, yeah. you know, the Taurus should be ashamed, for example. That, <laughs> we should shame them. <laughs> but I think it's, it's most effective when... Um, uh, every person goes in and does some introspection, especially at the times when it seems least convenient or least desirable. There's a million things that each of us could be doing better. And in a way that's daunting, but in a way it's really hopeful. That's, that's incredible. Because if you think, oh, there's a hundred things I'm doing wrong and 80 of them, I don't even know I'm doing wrong. If I start with the first 20 and then I expand to the remaining 80, things could be incredible for me and for you and for everyone. And I think increasingly, uh, dialogue around the idea of people being in a position of privilege has shifted in that direction. And I think it's really positive. I mean, you said it yourself, you had this interesting combination of you had innate curiosity and you early on, you had this um, thirst for knowledge and you were intrinsically motivated and you also had the support of your parents. And so, uh, but then your conclusion is rather than saying, Oh, I get to live in the paradise of Oxford because paradise means walled garden and it is a walled garden yeah. um, rather than saying, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so privileged. Well, was me, the, the conclusion that you've come to is to say, well, I want to figure this out and make use of it and then expand that and scale that to other people. And I think that's phenomenal. I think that's what at, in, at the best of times throughout history, when people have said, I have this really good thing, how about I figure a way to make more of it or give more of it out? That, that's always been, well, with some caveats, that, that's been uh, a path towards um, just a cooler world. One that's good. There's that great phrase that Chappelle has in one of his specials when he says, and then you'll be big and I'll be big and we'll all be big. It's, 
it's a simple idea, but I think it's it's worth pursuing. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned was uh, public transport. I think that's an interesting dialogue because um, Bro, people I would vary in their that personalities so hard. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. I would that, say that just yeah. the most radical shit. <laughs> Ban all cars. Just give people like sick cargo buyers. Give them like covers and stuff. Like make them electric. All of it, and it will still be cheaper. Than, than than maintaining all the roads and cars and oh man I've truly but do you think I've that stopped. everyone would be on board with that no oh god <laughs> you too kidding me man but that's not the point you see I would never win any like I'm, there might be some uh and not me like I wish there was someone who stood for that kind of thing who just made the noise right like stood for something like something good. Uh, we all know the world is going to shit. Like we had, bro, we were at 38 degrees here in Oxford in July. I came out of the gym and I felt, whoa, like this feels like hope. Because my home, my hometown is a tropical savannah, right? It, it, it does get to 38, 40 degrees in just ridiculous humidity. Uh, and I, I, I was, it was like stepping out, out of a, a coach into the air of my hometown, just hot, humid. Um, and I looked at that and I was like, this is, this, there's, there's something wrong here. Like my hometown has alligators and coral snakes. You know, they, do you see snakes here? No. <laughs> but there's a joke in there about the Tories, but uh, I'll stay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> aside, aside from all of that, um, yeah, I wish there was someone who just, said these things it's like oh what a what a madman but uh, honestly it it would it would work right having trams we had trams like we ripped them up um london london used to have uh trams um and i think that's eventually they they made the underground for the same purpose and for delivering stuff mail they still have a, uh, a yeah, little, there's a male underground. Uh, male, yeah. Very cool. And people it, yeah. say, well, you can't do that. You you, you can't, like, uh, send your Amazon package to your house or whatever. Uh, uh, well, yes, you can. Just have a small, like, you can have a switch, can't you? Like, um, but even then, just go to the bloody depot. Like, the, <laughs> we have the technology. Amazon's already done it as well. But it's just the, the I think it's the myth of, of personal responsibility of, and individualism and just ignoring the fact that we are obligate. One, we're obligate tool users. And two, we're obligate communal animals. We cannot live on our own. Um, maybe there's some savage out there who lives in a shack in the forest all by himself. But, I mean, they've got stuff that were made by other people, you know. Um, so it's we are not an individual species, and I think the whole thing has shifted, and the the, the myth of like personal responsibility, and you gotta own a car, and you know, you gotta have your own whatevers, uh, and again, it's shiny shit you don't need. Like, do we need it? No. Uh, but the thing is, cities have to evolved that. to 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 require them. Uh, thankfully, Oxford is very cyclable. But for, you go to to Birmingham or you go to Southampton, and it's sprawling uh, cities that is just 
it's hard uh, without a car. Uh, but I think I think we, we did it wrong. We got it wrong, and we got it wrong for the weather. We got it wrong for ourselves. Um, and uh, we, well, with with respect to the weather, I think that there's there's a lot we, in what you said that I agree with wholeheartedly. But the two things that come to mind, I think the first one to mention is that um, people have different personalities that are somewhat almost down to a nature nurture sort of interweaving of there's genotypes that determine uh, certain personality traits and then whether or not they get activated in an environment is a different one. So there's something there. People, there's a natural sort of um, uh, normal distribution of all sorts of personality traits. And in the post-enlightenment world, we um, implicitly, even non-scientists, behave in a way and speak in a way as if there does exist a unified objective reality that exists beyond the limitations of individual perception that, you know, peer reviewed studies and, um, or I mean, replicable experiments. There's this idea that there exists a sort of platonic dimension that's parallel to the biased world that we see in a simplified way. But I think that to the, that view is immensely useful and, um, it's allowed us to build suspension bridges and jet engines and um, heart surgery equipment. But one of the the sort of subjectivist view, although it has the danger of it is to fall into this sort of solipsistic, nothing matters, everything is relative um, goo, that's not very useful. But I think it is useful to remember that uh, because of people's different personality traits, let alone their upbringing, people do see the world in fundamentally different ways. And so something that seems, it's not just that they have a different opinion. It's that for instance, within sort of like the big five model that a lot of people make noise about in psychology and psychometrics, people who are more conscientious and people who are less conscientious, they walk into the same room and for one person, it looks cluttered. And the other person, it's not that they don't care about the clutter. They don't see it. They don't even have that negative affect response. They see a pile and they think that's an effective way. It's all there. I can, you know, they put the books on the floor. There's a lot of students at Oxford that just lay their textbooks out my, on the floor. My, my room. Think, <laughs> yeah. I and mean, it's, and it's, it's not, it's not dirty, yeah. But it's, and I you think, know, my clothes are just on my hanging ragged. Precisely. <laughs> and, and that's, and that sort of goes in, that's orthogonal to the, objective rationalist view of the world and i think that both are valid it's kind of like what political party do you want uh ruling a country well do you want the brakes and the do you want a car with brakes or do you want a car with gas they both serve a purpose although it's a different matter altogether as to whether or not one or the other has become pathological but i think that fundamentally the reason that so many modern nations have two party or three party systems is because it's not just a question of if only we could educate these masses and then they'd see the light or if only we could have a long discussion and then they'd see the light. There's a bit of that for sure. But another one is that just like a conscientious, a high conscientious, high conscientious and low conscientious person will see a room differently. Uh, the idea of politics, not in the power hungry sense, but in the way of how do we structure our society in a way that benefits everyone effectively. Well, the problem there is uh, different people have different ideas of what's beneficial and different people have different attitudes towards how much one person should pay for the benefit of another. And that's not just a question of right and wrong. I think it's a question of uh, personality and disposition. And it's useful. It would be so, so boring if we all had the same opinion. It would be inane if we all had the same attitude and personality. But And, the, and I think that one of the primary issues is that... Um, 
um, political discourse in the West has become very sort of um, zero sum, where it's um, you're either with uh, me or against me. And because of the way that most, it's not ranked voting, but it's just, it, it's not effective to split a party into moderate left and extreme left, because then you split the vote and the conservatives win. And it would be better, I think, if we had some party that was able to integrate people from different personality traits, and we had an integrated view. And that's very difficult. Right now, it's in turns. It's you go, and then I go, and then you go, and then I go. And then you sort of, it's two steps forward and two steps back. Tribalism. I don't think. But fundamentally, I think I try to remind myself that there are people in the world who intrinsically see the world in a different way and on a certain sort of level. And that's okay. And it's useful. Some people are extroverts and some people are introverts. And in the social setting, we all accept that. And we wouldn't say to someone who's introverted, oh, you know, you should keep on going out. And that's what would recharge you because that's what works for me. But then when it gets to these hyper complex levels of infrastructure and energy and education, there's just so many people involved. It's very easy to forget that, um, yes, there's people who are misinformed or who have. But, but a there are some objective truths in a lot of these things. Mm. For example, what mm. Jacob Rees-Mogg said what, yesterday, that there are Putin allies that uh, don't want fracking. And I mean, like, come on, man, that's objectively false. Like, <laughs> I think Russia's number one expert is oil and number two is gas. Like, where do you, yeah. where do you think yeah. you get it from? Like, if it's not the deep sea, it's going to be fracking now. Uh, this, um, there are some ob- objective uh truths more exercise is good that's undeniable you know yeah. more um being sat down is is for long stretches of time is bad being in a car i mean it's known like emissions are bad um so the the i think the it's just one it's power two it's i got mine so fuck everyone else uh yep you know, preserve what, what what you have at the expense of, of everyone else. And uh, I was thinking of, of this the other day, like uh, I, I, I went on a walk with a friend and, uh, you know, these we saw these massive houses and I'm like, well, how, bro? Like, <laughs> I'm never going to be able to afford one of these things. Uh, and then I go thinking like, well, didn't, I mean, it wasn't, there was a, a period in history where people just showed up somewhere and like, you know, this is mine now. This land is mine. And then you make laws to make that law, to, 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 to enshrine that in, in this protected system where you just walk right up to someone and literally just declared something is yours. And, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. So, yeah, fuck you. Like, what if, if I walked into, like, Parliament and it, this is mine? I live here now. You can all, you know, work for me if you like. If you don't, then you know we'll just torture and kill you all. It's fine. That that wouldn't fly. <laughs> yep. And, I was yep. Like, and, and then all of a sudden, a lot of the uh, uh, things that when I arrived in Oxford, it was so jarring the whole like, decolonization thing, and 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 it suddenly it's like, oh well, that that makes sense. I can see that because I I was under the illusion there was some way of. Uh, you know, at least a bit of, a little bit easier social mobility, and and I, I I've moved up in the world so much, uh, but then there's like all of this, and you know, it's kind, of, it's pretty much unattainable uh, for most people. 
uh, if you don't and know do you the right human malevolence, huh? or is it? Do you think that that's systematic, or that it's oh, yeah. human malevolence at the individual systematic. level? It's systematic. Well, as in, but... is it possible to design a system which counteracts individual malevolence? Would be, or at least doesn't amplify it. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah, very yeah, heady yeah, thing. Yeah. You but... can, I, I think you can. Mm. Um, and the the other nice example is uh. Well, you know, the queen died, didn't it? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> turns out she lobbied the government so that she could keep a lot of her acid secrets. I mean, like, well, what's this woman so beloved by so many? And I'm like, she was 96 and she died. Oh, wow, what a surprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, no. That's true, that's true. She, she enjoyed the full extent of her youth. That, it's a yeah. fucking hell. Uh, and, and, you know, I started seeing all of this stuff and I'm like, well, damn. So that you present something to the world that is so, it's just not genuine and not, it's just completely dishonest. Uh, I think it's, it's a symbol. A, people adore her as a symbol and often people are yeah, able yeah, to disassociate between the person and, the, and the, the figurehead. And in that respect, she was quite effective. Because I, I said it before, I, I would um, I would have switched yeah, sorry, positions with the Queen any day. Okay, mm. <laughs> I mean, I'd be. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would feel like I'd love it. The government to keep my assets secret so that they, <laughs> they couldn't take them away back to uh, wherever they they got stolen from. Right? It, this this whole yeah, oh, so, so much kindness and so oh, well, okay. But then why why are this? And you, you can you can see these things, you know, the the hate the HMRC and if you put a freedom of information request, you can find them. Um so it's like really? This this is I think it Yeah, you know, it's it so double, double face. It I mean, ever since the sort of I mean, pre Nietzsche, uh we we there's been this Europe for hundreds of years had this uniting uh, structure that said, this is what's meaningful. This is what your purpose is. And there were dissenters and there were people who were passionate enough about the scientific pursuit or anything else that were able to sort of craft their own purpose. Scientists were mostly nobles. Even even today, Mm. scientists as the people who have the privilege of being in school for bloody 20 years of their lives. As, like, yep. it's it's yeah. it's true like i i you know what all primary schools are six years and secondary schools another four then two like six form uh so that's what 12 then four well three or four from undergrad then another three or four postgrad uh like that's a long it's a time. Long-ass time and yeah you can only do that if you have the 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 back if you don't have to like provide right it it's and it's still around and I, I i could do that because i was in that position and there are people who i've met who have been just hard working and brilliant and they would never be able to and it's just it it doesn't sit right with me uh and, and like it's just um it's it's so unfair. Um, I didn't do much to be in, in the position. I, I did take advantage of uh, of the opportunities and um, 
But that's also one of the reasons. And it's not the guilt. It's like, I want others to be able to have the same opportunity. Um, but, uh, yeah, the whole, it's, it's just all, all back to, to luck of the draw. Uh, to what degree do you think it would be? I think I've floated this idea with you before. It was something that I had a keen interest in for several months of um, exogenously um, uh, heightening people's, uh, if not their intellectual capacity, then certain cognitive functions that we associate with intellect. So Neuralink was sort of a high-profile oh, example. Bloody, There's a lot uh, of other technologies. Elon Musk, that one's I hate the guy. moving aside from that. But um, there's kernel, there's external solutions that are non-invasive, there's internal ones. But I think the fundamental idea um, across all of these startups and large companies is, would it be It's just going to be for idea? rich people. They're not well, going to do it for, originally for the rich. I mean, and then, the well, whole, all the Silicon Valley is overtly racist sexist xenophobic and even the oh with diversity yeah i mean come on if you're indian or white if you're highly educated indian man or white man that's it and like you know it's um the set the example well, the shining not. examples elon musk right but oh the the meme meme lord edgelord of twitter and stuff and it's 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 just for the elite. They're like that Teslas aren't cheap. They're so exp- bloody expensive. Oh, you get you get a, a government rebate and stuff. Like it goes back to well, guess what? We could have trams, and they would be much cheaper <laughs> mm. instead of something that runs on a battery. The the Hyperloop Tesla, yeah, Elon's Hyperloop uh, idea. Do you know what we call that? The tube. <laughs> But instead of being in a like a, a more efficient, space efficient way of having a train, it's individual pods with zero redundancy. Like that shit is for the for the people who say who can say, yeah, I can I can afford this because I'm I'm in the position to do so. And all of you plebs, you can go on your buses, but I'm gonna go on my hyperloop. And like if one car breaks in front of me, I'm fucked. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there was a video of just yeah, the, exactly. People have the, done because it's just one track, what, right? Oh. What comes to mind is that in when I was studying in Russia for four years, we it was a big deal as to whether or not you had to sit at the front or the back. Uh, firstly, yeah. there were a lot of guys who were only getting a degree so that they wouldn't have to be enlisted for a year because if you do a four-year bachelor's and a two-year master's, then you become an officer in reserve and you don't have to get sent to a random part of Russia for a year. And so some people are in the higher education system in Russia with absolutely no interest in higher education. And mm-hmm. it's not very. And then professors have this moral dilemma where if they have this disinterested guy that's just sitting in the back of the lecture room like eating Cheetos, um, if you fail him, you're potentially sending him off to Syria at the time. Um, and so when I was in my academic group, um, and also during seminars, it's sort of a Q&A and teachers will grade you by just asking you on the spot. There's about 30 people. And a lot of people would just get into arguments about who gets to sit at the front and who gets to sit at the back. And this is my spot and yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, how about I just create an Excel thing, that um, a, a spreadsheet that I'll share with the group chat and we'll track uh, who's been sitting at the front and who's been sitting at the back and we'll assign a point system. And then 
if you can either pay it forward or rack it up in advance. So if you sit at the front for three weeks, then you then have the privilege of sitting back and you can exchange it. And as I outlined this, someone just interrupted me and said, no one's going to do that. That's too complicated. Let's just keep arguing. And I realized at that point that on the one hand, social change is never comfortable and it's always seen as impossible until it becomes inevitable. But a system should be as simple as it and I mean, you know this far better than I do with respect to engineering, but things should be, well, what was the Einstein quote? Things should be as Most. simple as possible, but not, but no simpler. And I don't, often, I don't know, but yeah, that's a, again, it's a, it's a, one of the design principles of, you know, you get a, yeah, it, it has to serve a purpose and it should be as simple for the purposes as, as it could be, because the more moving parts you have, the more that can go wrong and the more it can be exploited and, um mm. yeah and that's, i mean uh, I, the whole look is probably better though huh? it's probably better to be hopeful about that one day we can get the trams to work than to just but sort of come into the cynical simpler. thing no, of, let's just oh let's yeah, just no, not change anything no, exactly yeah. uh and that's yeah. i think that's a lot of the innovation is to make things more complex for the sake of making them more complex and i mean another good example would be team trees and team c's you know, the, the thing that, I mean, well, maybe Team Trees is a little bit better, but Team C's with, like, the whole garbage collection of the surface, the surface is, like, I can't, I don't remember if it's, like, 0.1% or 0.01% of, like, the the bulk of the trash. And, like, that's all that trying. And, you know, within what they can do in a year, we're doing in a day. Like, we're throwing out in a day. So it's, like, is it really doing anything or is it just all for nothing? Right. I, instead, of you could you could use that money and put it in um, sewer nets. The, those things can actually do something about it, and they're much cheaper. You can just put a big net in a sewer every I don't know three or four days. You change it, and bingo! Like you've stopped all this trash from getting into the ocean. But no, you send out a little raft to collect at a very low density, um, uh, yeah, like very uh, low garbage density out in the middle of the Pacific or somewhere where you have, you need, you have fuel costs to get there. There's time costs and obviously the density and what happens when it's full, you know, you, you can't simply just take a, a big truck or, you know, a train to, to the, the 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 sewer uh, where where it like leaves uh, and just pick pick the the trash back up. You gotta go all the way back, and so like all of those emissions, they're still oh oh. But we can use solar panels. Yeah, but you could also People just like use a net. People like a story more than they'll admit to. Like, we we have this is the shiny shit like, you don't need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with money you don't have. <laughs> But it's a serious problem because, um, I mean, th what is it? Three Mile Island was where the nuclear power station in the U.S. had a failure and then mm. Chernobyl. And and even though nuclear energy on paper sounds like a phenomenal deal, especially for countries that don't have seismic activity, I think that um, we in the day in the age of science, we often forget that all of us, without exception, need a story. And some people... Uh, gravitate towards a better story and some people gravitate towards a worse one and they're not always aware of one and they're not always willing to admit that they want one we all want something to believe in and saying that you can exist in this sort of space um where 
uh, you just believe in rationality and you're never going to gravitate towards any sort of idol. That's really cool to say, but that's like saying that you don't need to breathe oxygen. Whether or not you feel good about saying it, eventually your face is going to go blue. And so I think that part of the solution to all of these issues with respect to inoptimal solutions is recognizing that people love a good story and they do love spin. It's just like the iPhone. It's just like nuclear energy. It's just like public transport. A lot of people in a discussion will say, yeah, absolutely. We should, you should be big and I should be big and we'll all be big. But then they look at a, a Ferrari and they think, oh, that would be good. And it's, and it's being able to resolve those two, to put a spin on that, which is useful. So that you can to put drive a it on something 40 valuable. miles an hour around the city. <laughs> well, public transport could be cool. I guess the Hyperloop, <laughs> either nominally or truly, that's a question that only the, the brain of Musk truly knows. But I think that was sort of the tagline of making it cool. But, and, and that's a problem because the people who are best at putting on spin are the snake oil salesmen. And too often the people who have done the due diligence to figure out the optimal solution with respect to human well-being are not very good at spin because they're used to just giving an honest account. And I think that those two things need to meet in the middle. We need yeah, someone who has the story, uh... but the values of a, uh, of a labor uh, politician put together. And that's oh, and that's does a hard even stand for anything anymore. These are these are good questions. Like, these just, are good. <laughs> whiffle waffles, like oh yeah, whatever. Just gonna they don't have any spin. God damn it! They don't have the spin, and they need the spin. And, and it's and and the spin seems deceptive, and maybe it is. But the problem with putting on a show is that you have to have some level of confidence that what you're doing is meaningful. And it's like, who are you to say? Um, and perhaps somebody who's actually done modeling, uh, computer computational sort of um, work to figure out that yes, this policy would be better. That's when they can start. Um, yeah, but then the, sort of, they just assign yeah. their mates as education secretary and climate secretary and whatever. What is Jacob Rees Mogg? Is he like climate or something? Oh, like oh, come on, man! Like Liz Truss, he couldn't couldn't spell. Come on. Like education, <laughs> really? Well, <laughs> do you think it was? Do you think that I'm going to get in? In this is going to be a, a spicy one. Oh yes. Do you think it was? Um, I was reading Factfulness, interesting book, massive recommend. It's from a Swedish uh, doctor who worked around Africa, traveled mm. the world, um, and discovered that even members of the UN General Assembly have no in no knowledge of publicly available statistics from the World Bank on sort of women's education, whatever. But when he was fighting the Ebola uh, pandemic, sorry, ep oh, epidemic is that pandemic. Oh, guy? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he mentions yeah, yeah, yeah. that he was speaking with the CDC in the US and he said, well, actually, this the data that you're trying to present isn't entirely accurate. It's not as bad, but it could be bad. Um, so let's just be honest and forthright, and then we'll get a better sort of outcome. To which the CDC said, or some representative, um, people won't buy into that. We have to hype it up. Otherwise, people won't react. And so that's a question of, is it right, for instance, for... I, yeah. I think that's self-perpetuating. Well, like you're now so used to just everything being like breaking news, sensationalized news is like it's twenty four seven. You're like, blah, 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 blah. so now you need something like to grab you, right? Like, this if if we had been as a society like more honest and more careful, uh, instead of and, and it goes back to just I guess late stage capitalism, 
uh, of <laughs> like just oh we, we need the views and we need the, the money for to buy shiny shit we don't need uh, <laughs> it just uh, it just becomes a, a a screaming match it's like who can get your attention for the longest time in the most outrageous way so that they can get the most engagement and it's it's stupid and ridiculous i mean the uh, to to a point they they don't care if if well uh well this you see this more on instagram and like tiktok where like even if the information you're presenting is just trash and people call you out on it that's still good because it just generates traffic and algorithm and, and therefore money and that's the same it's the same way that all this the news works. It's like, oh, more traffic, more outrage. Oh, the, the bro. I had a cousin, uh, have a cousin in Texas. He, he was telling me like, oh yeah, what 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 would you do if like the roving gangs of and he was like and of trannies like coming to your house and I'm like who's doing that? <laughs> like, yeah. come on, man. I've noticed that. Like, who does that? that? Like there, roving gangs of. of, of yeah. Transsexual uh, people just gunning down. Really, <laughs> that's how that's how people think what on both it? extremes. They have this Im mental image of the enemy, and the enemy is armed. Yeah. That's how I guess we oh, develop. To, it, it comes back to tribalism. Of you build you build up the enemy to be this awful, inhumane thing, and then that's a defense it's mechanism, like, because you feel... Who goes into and, your house as a roving gang and shoots you? <laughs> and the reason... And I think that comes back to the idea of purpose. People... Some people have... Some people derive purpose from the good fight against that, and it's... And, and I think that's why we need to be more concerned about um, not necessarily shoving certain value systems down people's throats, because for one, that usually has a rebound effect. But one of the merits of uh, relig organized religion, although it's become insufferably corrupt now, to, in my limited estimation, I'm not a specialist by any means, oh, is that it, 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 I, at some point in its development, the purpose was to say, these things are worthy, these are virtues, and these are sins. And sin means sort of, um, in archery, it means to miss. And those things aren't necessarily, I mean, we take it for granted that things like we, we say greed and sloth, although um, uh, it'll come back to me. One of the sins we now use, pride. We now say, and I don't mean that in the disparaging sense, but we tell each other you should be proud of your achievement. And I went on this whole etymological journey of finding old translations of the Bible to figure out whether or not the Hebrews actually distinguished between good pride and bad pride. It's a weird, I went down a long rabbit hole. Um, and I think the original translation isn't the word pride. It meant being satisfied with yourself when you didn't do something worth mm -hmm, worthy. Mm -hmm. Regardless, it, was, it wasn't a perfect system like anything created by humans. And it's obviously sort of in disrepair now with respect to most religions. But um, I think uh, Nietzsche was right to a degree in saying that some people in the post-religion world will just create their own value systems of saying that being authentic and being honest and working hard and having friends and powerlifting, some people will naturally gravitate towards a better value system and some people won't. And the worst thing is, is that many who are obsessed with power or simply derive who are malevolent and enjoy power for its own sake, they know that there are many drifting people who don't have a fixed value system. And so they 
in plant value systems and others. And that's how you get people to participate in their own misery. And I think that the sort of the symptoms of um, bad value systems, Sam Harris had this whole idea of the moral landscape that you have this sort of um, 3D structure and some value systems represent this sort of peak and some are a saddle and you and by some object semi-objective criteria i like, I like this mathematical description value systems. of value systems <laughs> it's like yeah you got a saddle point and uh, <laughs> you can you can slide down one way <laughs> well, precisely and the i mean I was like the that. existentialists <laughs> the existentialists had an idea that um it's not enough for something to be true and verifiable it has to be a livable truth you can make a very compelling case for nihilism that's very rational but then if you try to live according to those precepts you're miserable a few people can pull it off but optimistic nihilism but most can't and so we just sort of now live in a world where everybody's free to pick their own value system and there's merit to that you know you can believe in the heliocentric model without somebody threatening to burn you on a cross but we've i think we've gone too far and i wish that schools promoted or some um institute promoted the idea of these things are valuable and it's not immediately apparent it's not immediate for instance with exercise i'm only now sort of coming around to it but it's not immediately apparent that being exhausted and eating more and going to a different place that's unfamiliar and feeling self-conscious to do all of that you don't have to you do have that to, you have to that's believe that's one way uh you know mm. you could just but you have to believe that it's worth it hanging off on a yeah you do you do uh, <sighs> And and that's some some people are able to just sort of cotton on to that, or they give it a go out of curiosity, and then down the line they believe they figure out, oh whoa, this was worth it. But that's and I think the same with the Queen. A lot of people derive purpose and meaning, and they feel lonely and sad, and they feel like they're this this person full of problems that they'll never be able to solve. And then they looked at the Queen and they thought, but everything's going to be okay. And getting people to find value systems that aren't immediately gratifying, but then lead to a more purposeful life. And that, that's a difficult task because it's better if you find it yourself. But what if you don't? What if you don't get there in time and someone says, oh, the real way to derive purpose is to find this group, be it ethnic or religious, and kill all of them. And then people feel like their life is full of purpose. We need purpose just as much as oxygen, if not more. And yet no one in sort of Western society is truly concerned behind, besides religiously dogmatic people about how do we get people to have better value systems that make them happier? And there, and there, is, there is a value others. system. It's, uh, work, it's, you know, earn money, work, be successful. It's like, that's, again, it goes back to extrinsic versus intrinsic. Those are all extrinsic. Who mm. tells you you're successful? You don't say I'm successful. It's, it's in comparison to, oh, m monkey has more than, than that monkey. Me monkey doing better. Fuck yeah. Success. <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, do you think that you always had such an authentic sort of uh, outlook or was there a point when you started to develop it? Because clearly, I mean, everything I you said earlier on. Like, as a kid, it was more, to um, it's more like, yeah, I want to be successful. But the thing is, I didn't really know what, success like, like well as a little kid success would have been you know coming to oxford and like or not even that just learning keeping learning and staying uh questioning and that that is success and then you get polluted with like all of this 
garbage. Oh, you know, you need a car and like blah blah blah, all this shit. And uh, yeah, I would like to have a house and stuff, and I like having some things. But bro, I sleep on tatami mats. I mean, look at them. I love that shit. Like they're so. I mean, they they're, they're kind of uncomfortable, but I like that. And, and that that to me, that right there is success. You know, it's it's mm. it's being happy, um, satisfied. Yeah, there are some things I'd like, some more shiny shit that I don't need that would be cool. But is it really like? Is it cooler than going outside and smelling flowers? No, and I, I mean, you, I don't know if you've seen me. You know, I like to smell flowers, uh, and it's just people look at you weird and like, nah, I'm, I'm smelling the flowers, and you can walk right by and look at me oddly, but I'm, I'm having a grand old time. Um, there's an, there's an incredible passage in the narrative. Of the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no that's fine. That's, that's just. A, I think success is being true to yourself. Uh, more so than that, true to society and true to anyone else, it's being true to yourself. There's this to that connecting to that point in the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, which is I I, I imagine you're familiar with it. It's this sort of uh, it's the story of an African American slave uh, who taught himself how to read and write and escaped from the South and then um, became. Uh, was a part of the abolitionist movement in the States. Mm. And then he traveled to the UK and came back and he wrote not just his, and he kept on sort Wait, of, was he the one who became a meetings. lawyer? Um, that I'm I not sure whether or not he went into law. Different. Well, I mean, as in like kind of like a but folk it, law, <laughs> you know, no, ah. maybe not like formal, um, <laughs> but, um, but in his passage and it just, what you said made me think of it. He, he mentions that, um, he has this quote where he says, I would rather be ridiculed by others than to become contemptible to myself. Yes. And I think there's, that's, and it's sometimes difficult because there's 10 people that are all saying that what you're doing is ridiculous, but you're, but they only see you for a couple hours at a time. Whereas you're always watching yourself, you watch yourself 24 seven. And so if you're contemptible to yourself, then that's even if people that's are recording you quote. it's a big recommend because the reason it's called the narrative is because he kept on telling his story at these meetings and eventually he fashioned <laughs> it into not just the life of frederick Douglass, but the narrative of the life of frederick Douglass. he makes a political commentary about how brutal slavery is and how it turns even the enslaver into a beast it it both people in that situation become these distorted versions of themselves. The system itself perverts the soul, but he also talks about his own life and he does the two. And it's, it's a fascinating read. It's a massive recommend. What's it called? The narrative of Frederick Douglass. The narrative of the life the of, of the Frederick life. Douglass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, and, 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 you know, you know how I am. <laughs> that's kind of how I could help myself. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and, and, and what advice would you have for someone who might be listening to this and then thinks that perhaps 
they're still buying shiny shit that they don't need, and they're still stuck on the treadmill. It's not my quote, you know. It's it's a very (laughs) YouTube channel recommendation. Uh, Crime pays, but it doesn't. So so recommend. Crime pays, but yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Mm. What 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 advice? Uh, Yeah. How do people, if people begin to suspect and they're getting uncomfortable and they're thinking, oh, you know what, maybe if I really take a hard look at myself, I don't belong to the group yet of the authentic. It's painful, but that's the truth, or it might be. What's the first step? What's your recommendation? Hmm. Stop trying to, uh, to live by someone else's values. I mean, as, again, as long as you're not hurting uh, and actively contributing to the destruction of fairness in society and, uh, you know, all that is good, uh, it, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, we're all going to die. You're not going to, you're not going <laughs> to, like, what's the point? Uh, and the thing is, and to bring back some other piece of media, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's it's a film about nihilism, that nothing really matters, but that's the beauty of it. Because nothing really matters. You matter. And you matter to yourself, you matter to those around you, those who love you, and that's, um, that's really it. You, you got to live true to yourself. And, you know, it might be hard, there might be expectations, but fuck those expectations. Like, whatever, and again, this this goes back to the type of music that I like. And, you know, I'm a metalhead and I like punk music too. And it's, it's the, it's okay to be an outsider. It's okay to be weird. Uh, I'm, I'm so strange. As I mentioned, I like smelling flowers. I visited a friend a week ago, and I got to to the city Guildford, and uh, do you know what I bought? I bought myself some milk, and I bought some raspberries, and I I was eating those, walking down the street, and people looked at me weird, and I'm like, yeah, dude, like I'm having some raspberries and milk, <laughs> like is this so? I was like, is it? I, I, I that's what I like. Um, and it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people think. Um, and it can be hard, especially. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a guy, and I got all the like. I'm I'm Mexican. Yet look at my skin color. I'm I'm pasty white. Uh, so I have that privilege. And male, s- straight, cisgendered, uh, all of these things. So it's easier for me. And now, I'm barely jacked and uh, and I've I've been to Oxford and there's all these things but I wasn't always like this um but yeah there was always this kernel of um just being strange and I had no friends in kindergarten because I was weird I was that little weird kid um and it took me a long time but eventually people will recognize uh who you are what you stand for um and if you're truly genuine and uh, sincere uh, with with others um, and with yourself, then 
you'll be able to sleep at night and you won't have any regrets. Maybe maybe you'll have some cringe moments. I make a lot of stupid jokes and you know, uh, <laughs> we're like, oh, well, <laughs> did he say that? It's like, well, yes. <laughs> In an effort to make people laugh and, um, and those times I was like, oh, <laughs> you know. But at the end of the day, I could go to bed and not wake up tomorrow and I would be completely there would be no um nothing that i would say well there are some things that i would change obviously you know we all have um but in the grand scheme of things there's there's no guilt eating me up there is of not making it home to see my dad before he died but i couldn't do anything about it um there's nothing that i could have done that i can say um i haven't apologized or i haven't um done uh my best to 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 make to make it right and not only to others but to myself um and that's so valuable to be at peace uh with this even though i'm anxious as hell about the world and you know the future and everything but truly to be at peace um and i think the only way is to um to be true to yourself and to to try your best um, to be true to other people, um, and it doesn't matter. Like shiny shit you don't need with money you don't have, working a shit job that you hate. Do something that you truly love. Um, again, this is coming from a position of privilege, and sometimes it's it's impossible. But you, I think people should try. And again, it's easy for me to say. Um, or at least have that idea, that 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 kernel of hope, and um, I guess belief against all odds. Uh, maybe, maybe it can happen. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but if you tried, you can be uh, sure that you gave it a go, and that again, if you go to bed and you don't wake up the next day. That you will go with no uh, baggage. Um, yeah, I think that's that's that is a depth I didn't even. <laughs> wow, no, no, that's I I don't have anything to add to that. That's that's beautiful, and I think that that sort of rounds out. Uh, I think the episode. That's that, that was. There's a lot there. <laughs> I don't want to taint it by like, adding anything. That's, that's beautiful. Thank I think you, thank there's, you have to come on again, 100%. Yeah. That, now it's obligatory. It's, yeah, yeah. We, just, need to, we need to go deeper. And uh, I'll uh, come on again. We can talk about other things, shit that makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the angry episode. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This was very philosophical, very political. <laughs> But uh, but it, it it's always interesting. Yeah, hopefully always authentic. So yes, I mean, yeah. No, it, no, this was so so cool, and thank you. I feel honored to have. I don't know. This is that's the thing. No, I don't know. You can it, say it, like I mean it. I mean people it. say that. And well, like, no, 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 dude. This is like okay, maybe not. Okay, not honored. Let me put it better. I feel like this was a really positive experience that. um was very cool. I'm glad. There we go. I'm glad. 
No. <laughs> thank you for having me. And uh, no, let me know when it comes for out. Coming on. Um, also, where can I listen to the others? Because I, I didn't even know you had a podcast. Okay. So there we, there, we, there we go. There we go. We got that strong marketing here. Plug your podcast on your own podcast. Uh, yeah. So if you're listening to this, you can find this on Spotify uh-huh. at um, Oxpod colon conversations with students at the University of Oxford. Um, we were initially also on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure if we're going to branch out, keep branching out to the other platforms. If enough people say that um, they don't like, because I know that Spotify is a bit restrictive Mm. in the way that um, you have to upload video podcasts separately to them Mm. and they have a closed platform. So it might be good to just have um, a backup on other platforms. Yeah. On YouTube. That's a, yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea, but um, that's where you can find this very same podcast that you've now been on. Um, do you have any projects, any social stuff, anything you want to plug? No, no. Just the just, just the philosophy, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's so cool. I think it, this is in stark contrast. I th- many interviews with Oxford students, often it will be the PPEists. Oh. And I mean, power to them. That's a, that's, that's a wild degree and it's a wild life. Someone has to... Go do politics. I'll, I'll reserve power to them. <laughs> power to power. Well, I mean, whether or not I say power to them, they're going to get it. So good for them. But I feel like this is in stark contrast to that. No, that's yeah. Hopefully, this I, will be the I most feel, listened. I feel somewhat. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say. Hopefully, this is this will be the 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 popular episode, the breakout, if you will. <laughs> it will be broken out, and how did it even know? That's. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm glad that I started doing this. This was there's a long story to it, and I'll get around to it someday. But we need that behind it's, the it's scenes because... at one point. <laughs> just you monologuing. But everybody everybody has this wild story of how they got to Oxford <laughs> because it's, it's I I don't think it, it's 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 not something that happens by accident. There's definitely maybe elements of providence, destiny, fate, and synchronicity. But behind it all is some wild desire to do something fascinating, and uh, you definitely fit that bill. So. Yeah, no, and I, and I want to find and let me know how your wild projects go when when it comes time to do the tram revolution. Hell yeah, I'll be oh, here for it. Yeah, yes, we're, I need I need five more years <laughs> so that I can get the settlement six settlement citizenship and then yeah yeah yeah. You, well, I mean those walking proteins. I've seen that uh, <laughs> footage of the of those molecules yeah. that look no, like was, a pair of legs. That, that was the it was a model. Uh, it wasn't uh, the modeling, the movement. It was a model of how they interacted with one another and how they formed uh, like um, coherent masses that would move, uh, which has been shown experimentally. What we could do is then just scale up those proteins and that will be public transport. We just need to get a, a gigantic molecule that's orders of magnitude larger than it usually is. Uh, the physics will carry over. Well, Don't worry. It will you're, have you're developing tires. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a single, well, rubber is, it can be a single molecule. So it's like, you know, one of those big tires, that's one molecule. Oh yeah, I mean well, there could or, be more, but it could. I want a one. car that's on legs. I want a car that has a, a pair of legs that <laughs> just and the steering wheel wheel. If you turn it too fast, then the whole thing just trips over. Oh no! But it's just the chassis of a car, and then it Usain bolts off <laughs> into the distance. 
And then you have to buy it new sneakers. Oh, yes. Buy Nike Air Pumps. I should shut up before someone does that. Buying Nike Air Pumps for your walking car. That's pretty decent. Oh, man. That's pretty decent. And then you can feed the treadmill. Keep feeding the the capitalist beast. (laughs) It's it's wild. I... Well, there was there's a beautiful analogy that Dave Chappelle has because he you know quite famously walked away from a fifty million dollar mm. deal on the most popular TV show in history. He was in his twenties. He was he was a young father, and so he had every reason to stay. And yet there was he as he was filming, he he says, and it's my hobby to find old footage and documentaries and interviews and whatever with him in it. He says that he was doing socially dangerous skits and. In the, in the filming crew, he saw that some of the people were not laughing with him, but it was a mean laugh oh, laughing yeah, yeah. at him. I heard. And then the producers as well began to really exploit him in the worst ways, and then he just walked away from it. And then reflecting on it later, he said that um, there's this tribe of hunters, I think in West Africa, and to get water, they'll get a... This is all his analogy. The, the to, to get water, they'll get a monkey. Yeah. They get the hole, they put the salt in it, the monkey grabs the salt, and to be free, all that has to do is let go of the salt, but he doesn't want it, but it wants the salt. And then it sits there, and then the hunter ties the monkey to a tree, and then it gets learned helplessness, because it's just sort of, at first, it's not happy being tied up, but then it just sort of gets used to it. And then it eats the salt, it's finally got the salt, got what it wanted, at what cost, but it's in, it's in captivity now, but it eats the salt, and then it's thirsty. So the hunter lets go of the rope, and then the monkey runs off, and finds water, and then the hunter follows it, and then the hunter drinks water. And then Chappelle says in that analogy, doing the Chappelle show, he was the monkey. Yeah. And um, letting go of the salt is hard. It's hard to let go of the salt, just like it's uh, a bad idea to pick up the soap. But those are slightly different situations, but... Uh, <laughs> Could be a good no, idea, depending on what you're like. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a power move, asserting dominance by just getting a whole tub of soap things and just dumping them on the floor and picking them up one by one while making full-blown eye contact. Now we're getting into dangerous territory. Oh, the producer. The Here producer. we are. Yeah, we're actually, I think someone's coming in to, grab, to give me some salt or something. There's, there's, give there's me some salt. <laughs> some salty salt. Uh. Some salty salt. <laughs> no, but this is very, very cool. Thank you again. And, no, thank you um, hang me. Come back, yes. come back to the Oxpod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You tell me yeah. when and I'll, uh, I'll do it. Sweet. Well, thank you so much. Cool. All right. Take it easy, everyone. See you guys.